Canby New Life Foursquare Church welcomes you. We're located at 2350 Southeast Territorial Road, just off Highway 99E. We hope the following message will be a blessing to you. Good morning. It is good to see you. It is warm in here. It is cold outside. That is what we do know. Uh, but it's so good to see you. This morning we're going to do something a little different. We're going to take some time and we're just going to present to you the heart of the gospel this morning. And it really has to do with going to all nations. And then we're going to come back. We're going to worship together. That's going to be our response. Sometimes when you hear the word of God, you, you just need to have a worship response, don't you? And we're going to do that today. We're going to worship toward the end of the message. And before we do anything like that this morning, Annette and I have an announcement to make. We have a grand new baby girl in our family. She's our granddaughter, Ryan and Jesse, or her mother and father. That's little Stevie Rosebluff swore right there. Isn't, that, isn't she cute? Oh, my goodness. Hold on. Just hold it there a second. All right. All right. Isn't she? She is. She was born on Thanksgiving Day. And so we have a, a lot of reasons to be thankful. And Stevie certainly is one of them. Uh, I tell you, she is just a, she's just a blessing. And uh, her middle name, Rose Bluff, is her great, great, great grandmother's name. And uh, Native American, grew up on the reservation of Fort Peck. And uh, so my son and daughter-in-law wanted to extend heritage through our, our family. And so there she is, Miss Stevie Rosebluff Swore. And we have another one going to be coming here anytime. Becca's going to be giving us a baby boy here soon. So this is fun. This is a great Thanksgiving and Christmas and all those kind of things. But you can keep praying. So I really appreciate that. Well, in our series, When God Moves, things Things are about to get very uncomfortable for the early church. What we're going to do is we're going to take a, after this weekend, we're going to take a little pause on the study, when God moves the study of the book of Acts, until we get to the beginning of the year because we have Christmas coming. But when we get into the book of Acts, when we come back the first of the year, there are people in the church that are being neglected. They're having to figure out how do we develop this infrastructure for church to take care of those that are neglected. And then the apostle Stephen is the first Christian martyr. And so there are things that are happening there. But God uses this upheaval to spread the gospel to to the uttermost parts of the earth. Now you need to remember when we're talking about this upheaval, when we're talking about uh, the, the, the church being martyred or persecuted, we need to remember what Jesus said in Acts chapter 1 verse 8. He said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. You have to keep that in mind. You have to keep that in mind, because when do you need power? You need power when your back's against the wall. You need power when you're being persecuted. You need power when the chips look like they're all down and everything's against you. That's when we need the power of God's Holy Spirit. And Jesus said, you need power to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So the power of the Holy Spirit is given to us to be what? First and foremost, so that we can be witnesses for Jesus. In Jerusalem, that's our local area. In Judea, Samaria, that's, that's really a region And then when we talk about to the ends of the earth, that is really what it means. It means to the ends of the earth. And so today, we're going to just share with you some things that you have done, you've been part of, that really takes the gospel to the ends of the earth. Did you know that going to the nations is in our DNA? 
That, that it's in not only the DNA of, uh, of, of the church, but it's in your DNA as a local church. It's what we do. You see, it begins with really the Apostle Paul, later in the book of Acts, takes the gospel to other nations. And the first church planted on European soil was the church of Philippi. I don't, I don't know if you know that. That was on Paul's second missionary journey. While we were in Albania, we were very close to Philippi. And so Doug Sprague and myself, we took a trip and we went to Philippi just to see where the church, first church on European soil was planted. And what you're seeing there is Paul's prison in Philippi. Uh, Paul went to great extremes to preach the gospel, especially when you look at a map and you see that he went from Jerusalem all the way up to Philippi, which is in modern-day Greece today. You look at that and you think, oh, my goodness, look at what he did. This guy was one tough guy, and he brings the gospel to this place called Philippi. We walk through the ruins there, just getting a sense for what God was doing there and what God was up to through that community, that Philippi was the model for other churches. You can move the slides here, George, if you'd like. You're going to see the, those, are the, those are the ruins of Philippi. But when you look, about, look at the, 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 the church of Philippi, what you recognize is it's one of the only churches that Paul says, this is a model for how you should live. This is a model of what it looks like to be generous. This is a model of what it looks like to be hospitable. In the church of Philippi, there were some wonderful things that happened there, and then other churches were birthed out of Philippi. And so we wanted to get a sense for what it was like to come onto that soil and experience what God was up to in that first church in Europe. Because why? You are a result of that. It began to, the gospel began to move north and up into the UK, the British Isles, and then across the Atlantic and it comes to us. But here's where it started, right there on European soil. And what we want to do is we want to go to all nations. We want to go and bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to all nations. Now, you might be thinking, where do I bring the gospel? Well, Jerusalem. You want to bring the gospel to your neighbors. You want to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to the region. You want to bring the gospel to all nations. And I'm so thankful for what God has done through you and in this church to bring the gospel to all nations. And this morning what I want to do is I want to introduce to you Arlene and Chad. Arlene and Chad, why don't you come on up here? We have been able to go to Rwanda, Uganda, and I want you to hear a little bit about what the gospel looks like in the nations of Rwanda and Uganda. So Arlene, why don't you share with us just a little bit? Would you welcome Arlene? Would you do that? And Chad. Good morning. Uh, according to Romans 10, you sent IRM out. And according to Acts 14, I'm here today to give you a brief report of International Reconciliation Ministries' six-week summer trip to Rwanda and Uganda. It was my 13th time to visit the Great Lakes region of Africa. As you see, Uganda is much larger than Rwanda, which is about the size of New Jersey. Rwanda is known as the land of a thousand hills, and it's a beautiful country, especially with the terrace farming. But I call it the land of a thousand smiles, despite the genocide that took place there in 1994 when one million people lost their lives in 100 days. That would be like having three 9-11s every day, for 100 days. This trip, we mainly worked with Alfred Mackenzie, our Africa Vice President, Prisca, 
Pastors Innocent and Zebedee, Bishop Alexis, and Pastor Aaron, who came from Uganda to help. But IRM is fortunate to have 28 local pastors and partners that we work together with in regards to sharing the gospel and teaching discipleship lessons on growing in Christ, forgiveness, and reconciliation. Every year we do ministry in Kigali, the capital city, and in different areas of Rwanda. This year we travel to the southern part, doing ministry in the locations marked on on this map. I was accompanied for three weeks in Rwanda by Chad Robison, who proved to be a valuable teammate. Chad, would you please share? Sure. And Irene wants me to talk about the um, the uh, culture in Rwanda. Uh, so I'll start with kind of explaining that everybody works in Rwanda, uh, men, women, and children. You see these bricks. Uh, you know, I, there's no – you can't go to the store and buy anything. Everything that is there, you basically have to make uh, uh, yourself. Um then even the children work. So if you see, uh, you see this plastic uh, tub here in the top left picture, um, you'll see the, the children in the mornings with these empty plastic tubs. And remember, it's the land of a thousand hills, and most of them live, live at the top of the hill. And they, the children, you see them walking down the hill at the beginning of the day to get to the creek that's at the bottom of the hill. And they fill that up with water, and they put it on their head, and then they walk all the way back up for their family to have uh, water for cooking and drinking for the next few days, and then they do it all over again. Um, so speaking of carrying things on top of your heads, uh, everywhere you look, people are carrying things on top of their heads, uh, like these plantains that you see here in the picture. And if they're uh, ladies, they'll have uh, something on their heads, they'll have something in their arms, and they'll typically have a baby on their back all at the same time. Um, they, uh, the washing is done in all of the, the creeks, and everything is hand-washed. Um, there's not enough, not enough um, you know, electricity to run something like a washing machine if somebody was you know, rich enough to own something as amazing as that. And so everything everywhere is washed by hand in the, that brown water there. Uh, and the, the amazing – and there's the, – there's, dust everywhere and it permeates everything so within just a few hours uh it seems like you're just become a magnet for the for the the red dust and dirt that's uh but look how clean everything gets when you walk down the street everybody is dressed to the nines and everything is spotless and i it just boggled my mind how clean everybody was able to keep their clothes in a country like rwanda washing it in a uh creek like that and and look at the white of that uh uh, that there that's not a camera trick that's just how they get it and it's crazy amazing um, so uh, I'll talk a little bit about the food while we're there um, the uh, pineapple I don't recommend that anybody eats the pineapple in Rwanda but that's only because when you come back here and you taste pineapple that's not ripened on the trees like it is there, you'll it all it'll do is make you wish you could go back and have more of the pineapple there. It was Arlene's favorite to have the pineapple. Um, the other uh, we had these uh, pancakes that were not round for some reason. They was, we called them line pan, uh, line cakes because they were in a line. They're amazing. And then they had uh, there's a lake in the eastern 
uh, or in the western side of uh, Rwanda called Lake Kivu, and there's these little fish in there, and it's kind of one of their delicacies that they uh, fry these up, and they were so good. I love those. Uh, not for everyone, but uh, I thought they were great. Um, uh, another time we were walking through Kigali, which is the capital city and the only city, and uh, we we see this uh, uh, this store here. Now I I know it's not Portland, Oregon, uh, that it's referencing the Portland cement, but it was still nice to see a familiar face or name that you know as you're walking by. Um, one of the jobs that I had while we were there was to um, be accountable for uh, each of the 1,030 Bibles that. Um, we, uh, that we had to disperse while we were in Rwanda. And there were, there were more for Uganda, but I was only there for the Rwanda uh, portion. And um, so we, uh, so I kept track of all of the Bibles. We can't see it behind all the praying people there, but there's just uh, stacks and stacks of these uh, uh, Bibles in the local language. And um, when we handed them out, uh, you could see um, the hunger in people's eyes that they uh, were, had for having uh, the written word that they could have and take home. Uh, and these are people that they could bundle up everything that they own in their own two arms, uh, you know, and then now they get, you know, uh, the word of God. And, and it's amazing to see the look in their eyes when they're able to be handed something like that that uh, belongs to them. And so it was a great feeling to be able to, um, you know, give somebody a Bible, especially when there was enough. It was it was hard at the times when we didn't have enough, um, but uh, it was great to be able to hand them out when we uh, were able to, to do that. Um, so uh, I think in total there was 2,123 sets of both Bibles and discipleship booklets that we were able to give out in both uh, Rwanda and Uganda in total. And that's uh, in part because of uh, uh, all of you. So thank you very much. We could not have been able to do that without you guys. So thank you. Thank you, Chad. IRM is registered as an NGO in Rwanda. And uh, we have a small office there where Pastor Peter and his wife do ministry all week, working with women who are dying of HIV and about 50 children who don't have a sponsor, so they don't go to regular school. But they come to the office for religious studies. They learn Kenya Rwanda, their language, English, and math. But Pastor Kalist became a new member with IRM last year. And this year I was able to do a women's conference there on Saturday as well as preach at their Sunday morning service. But every year, without exception, God gives us many more opportunities for ministry that are not on the scheduled itinerary, and this year was no different. We were able to add crusades for Pastor Innocence and Pastor Zebedee's church communities, followed by traveling an alternate route to southern Rwanda so that we could also hold a crusade at a refugee camp where our partner, Foursquare Pastor Pascal, now pastors a church. With so many women everywhere, including many working alongside the road, it's a great opportunity to hand out donated scarves along with evangelism tracts. But the men also found the tracts useful tool as they shared the gospel with workers at an automotive shop where we made an unscheduled stop. This year, the deputy commissioner of prisons that I had worked with for three years was no longer there. And when we went to the office to, re- 
retrieve our document for ministry, it had not been approved, and our original request had disappeared. We were then told to just sit by the entrance and wait. But within a few minutes, we watched God provide for us as Pelly, a warden I've known since 2008, walked through. She had been promoted to commissioner in charge of interim prison camps where we also do ministry. When we told her about our situation, she set about helping us and not only approved the two Tiege camps that IRM had requested to enter, but she gave us an additional one. In the last few years, we have watched as those in authority also make decisions for Christ as well as in the area of forgiveness. After submitting new documents and finally meeting the new deputy commissioner of prisons, IRM was given permission to do ministry in the five prisons that we requested. But when we arrived at Butari Prison, we found a warden that I did already met uh, who asked us to do our crusade in a section of the prison where I'd never been before, where there were a few thousand prisoners. And while we were inside the prison, we were able to go to the woodworking shop and watch the men using meager hand tools as they were carving trays and bowls, all while holding them with their feet. And I have one of them on my table if you'd like to stop by and see it. We did a crusade in southern Rwanda at Changugu Prison, and the following day the men held a men's conference there. I am often asked about prison results and follow-up after we leave. On the left is a report I just received from one of our follow-up teams that work with the prison pastors that we train. Those incarcerated pastors reported 153 new salvations. Praise his name. While in Chancugu, we also did a crusade at two Pentecostal churches, one where Lamech attends. He is a former prisoner that took the IRM spiritual leader training, and he is now studying with the senior pastor to become a pastor at that church. But after three weeks in Rwanda, it was time to head to Uganda, and I worked once again with the Ugandan team of Alfred, Pastor Jeffrey, who came on board with us two years ago, and Pastor Aaron, who's worked with us for three years. I first met this incarcerated pastor in Rwanda and sent to prison in 2008. He took the pastor's training we offered, and he was released after five and a half years when he was found innocent. He and his wife have moved to Uganda, and they traveled for three hours on a motorbike to come visit me. He wants to be a partner with the work that IRM is doing in Uganda. Along with the conferences and crusades we did in Uganda, I preached a Sunday morning crusade at the Foursquare Church of Reverend John Kamazi that I had the pleasure of meeting for the very first time. But Uganda, like Rwanda, is a country of relationship first. So we were pleased to find that Elizabeth was still the commissioner of prisons when we arrived at the government offices. Her assistant, Apollo, once again delivered to us the blankets we were requested to purchase for the prisoners, which we were then able to distribute along with the Bibles and discipleship materials to the eight new prisons that IRM was approved to do ministry in. Most of the Ugandan prisons are considerably smaller than the Rwanda 
ones with less than 100 inmates, like this one. When we arrived at that last prison, we watched the prisoners making mud bricks before we entered the prison through this gate uh, for our crusade. So far, the Lord has allowed IRM to do 106 entrances into 44 different prison facilities. And that day, a most unusual event happened. But you'll have to ask me about that personally sometime later. Our time in Africa gave the Holy Spirit the opportunity to work in the hearts of villagers, officials, prisoners, and team members. This year, we watched as the Holy Spirit brought 2,500 rededications, 19,783 forgive yourself or others decisions, and the salvation decisions that we saw the Holy Spirit bring were 20,000. 315. Only the Holy Spirit does those kinds of things. The truth is, IRM could not do what we do without your individual support. Thank you for your continuing support of this ministry because your partnership with IRM is reaching the lost and broken, and is making a difference. Please pray about our 2016 summer trip. And if you are interested in going with me to serve and minister to the people of Rwanda, please stop by our table and request an application for more information. But I need to receive that uh, request from you within the next two weeks. Um, These... uh, cards to fill out uh, I have at my table for you today and they'll be at the at the information center the next two weeks and so um, our current newsletters are also available if you'd stop by it's just an update on IRM ministries again I say to you thank you so much for your support mm. God bless you amen amen, amen. stay here go ahead and stay here thank you stay here Remarkable. I mean, remarkable how, how Arlene and Chad, the teams, have been used to go into Rwanda and Uganda. Arlene, when did you start going into Rwanda? 2005. Um, and I'm going to ask you this because this is what's remarkable. And for all of us who are saying, how can I do this? And where can I go? And what can I do? How old were you when God asked you to do this? I don't know, but I'm going to be 72 on my yeah, birthday. There you go. <laughs> there you go. <clears throat> I can't subtract fast enough. We've talked about this before. And and what we're saying there is that what is needed is just to be obedient and just to take those first initial steps because being with you on this journey, it was just saying yes. You were just saying yes to God's call. And whatever that might look like, it might be talking to the neighbor next door. It might be the friend down the street. It might be your coworker. It's just saying yes. And when you take those steps in saying yes to God's call to get the gospel, the good news to others, then amazing things can happen. Because this is when we experience our full potential in Jesus Christ is when we continue to say yes, 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 yes. Well, since 2005, um, the total that we've seen the Holy Spirit salvations bring are just a few less than Mm 88,000. 88,000 in that time. Amen. Amen. 
And part of that is I couldn't be doing it without your support, Mm -hmm. both prayerful and financial. So thank you so much. Amen. Amen. Those Bibles that that you see around this building are the same kind and types. We buy the uh, whole allotment and we keep them here because the Word of God is the Word of God. We keep them here in this place, on this campus, but we also take and we ship hundreds and hundreds of Bibles to Rwanda and Uganda. We want to continue to be part of that. And if God is just moving in your life right now and you have an interest in going to Rwanda, going to Uganda, then let Arlene know because we want to we make sure that we give you an avenue to see God work in your heart and in your life. And so, Arlene and Chad, thank you for your obedience. Uh, we know it's not an easy thing to do, but this is where the gospel goes, and I'm so glad someone went before us to share the good news of Jesus Christ. That's why we're here today. And so would you let them know you appreciate them? Thanks, you guys. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Amen. Why'd you move it down? Oh, okay. I was just just checking. See, yeah, I was going to say... <laughs> Uh, these really are exciting times and I'm so glad that God is is using so many people to share the good news of Jesus Christ this is why we're going through the book of Acts this is why we're talking about being baptized with the Holy Spirit this is why we're talking about the power that we need to go to the neighbors around us to go to the regions around us to go to the uttermost parts of the earth Many of you know, and we shared this last weekend, uh, Doug Sprague and I returned just uh, not too long ago from Albania. Uh, we have missionaries there, Sean and Vita Mason, and their three children are missionaries in Albania. Sean has been there for 15 years now. Uh, Sean grew up in this church, by the way. He came here, he was telling me uh, a little bit of the story when I was there. He came here when I think he was like in third grade. And uh, he and his family showed up here at church. He really sensed God's call in his life here in this place. And, uh, and, and then went through a, pr- a process of saying yes, uh, which led him to Life Bible College, Life Bible College. After that, he went, to, um, he went to Albania. It just felt like God was calling him to that place. Some of you may want to know, and we want to make sure you know where Albania is. Albania, uh, you get a little perspective there, is right across from the boot of Italy. You can see it's the old ancient place of Macedonia. And so you see Greece, you see Albania, you see Bulgaria, Turkey, you have uh, Montenegro, Kosovo, uh, Korsha, or, uh, uh, Croatia, north there, uh, Bosnia. It's all in that area. It's called the Balkans. They're Balkan people. They're identified that way. They are an ancient people. Uh, an ancient people in Albania, and they have been tossed around, I mean, for centuries and centuries. They have been fought over, saying the country, meaning the country of Albania. They've been fought over for centuries. And uh, the Ottoman Empire had ruled there until 1912. They tried to self-govern. Civil war breaks out, and then the communists come in, and they were under communist rule uh, up until 1991. And so right now, they're just getting their footing. Where we were and where Sean and Vita have been called to minister and have been there for a long time is Korcha. You can see Korcha on the map. It's kind of east, well, it is eastern 
Albania, middle east of Albania, and uh, it's in the Morava Mountains. It's a beautiful place. It's about 3,000 feet above sea level, and they are beautiful people. Uh, one of the villages that we went to, I took a little picture back of Korchis so you can get a perspective of what it looks like. This is a village, uh, Goskov, and that's the village that we're planting and want to plant a church in, and I'll tell you a little more about that. But that's the view back to Korcha. So you get an idea of what that looks like and what the area looks like. It's beautiful country. It's beautiful country. While we were in Ghost Cove, I showed you some pictures last week. Sean and their church in Korcha have reached out to this uh, small farming community, predominantly Muslim. Uh, they're Muslim as the Ottoman Empire occupied. They're Muslims. They would be considered moderate Muslims. Um, like some would might be might, might be considered here today, if you grew up in a faith and your parents and your grandparents and your great grandparents were Roman Catholic or Protestant or whatever it might be, then you kind of grow up and say, "Well, that's what I am." That's what a lot of people are in this middle strip of Albania, especially in Ghost Cove. When we went to Ghost Cove, we spent time there with the leaders. And they invited us uh, to sit down and have some time with them. We spent about three hours with them. Sean and the church has had a wonderful relationship with them. They've gone into this community. They've spent time there. They've seen young people come to faith in Jesus Christ uh, in Gosco. And uh, they're now leading in Sean's church. It's an amazing, remarkable move of God's Holy Spirit. This time, Sean took it another step. When we sat down with the village leaders, Sean said, Hey, would it be okay if we came into your homes and we started Bible studies? And the leader of the village said, Absolutely, because of you and our relationship with you, Sean, you're welcome to come in and start Bible studies in this Muslim community. And so God is doing works that oftentimes we really can't talk about. Um, When the Paris attacks took place, Doug and I were here. We were in um, Albania when this took place. And the president of, uh, of France sent a note to the president of Albania basically saying to him, you're next. And the reason he was saying that is because one of the enemies of radical jihadist Muslims are moderate Muslims. And so that, 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 is, one of the, that is one of their targets. Um, Albania is full of moderate Muslims. And so we need to continue to pray for these communities. We need to continue to pray for these people as we reach out. And as I said earlier, it is a beautiful country. You go through here, very poor. Go ahead, uh, George, if you would. It's a beautiful place. There's a lot of farming. There's a lot of wonderful, wonderful people there. If you get to um, uh, Albania, it costs a little bit to get there, and it takes a few legs uh, in an airplane ride to get there. I think we were about 18 or... 20 hours in the air, uh, and then a few layovers. Uh, We get there. Once you get there, it's very inexpensive to be there for a week or two weeks just to... uh, um uh, to, to help Sean and to work with Sean. I mean, this was, uh, I, I think when I started six days, uh, my beginning of the week, I had uh, about $100 in my pocket. That's 1, 000, or 10,000 lex. 
And when I left, I had 50,000 lex, which is about $50. And I know I bought a lot of things, but it only cost me $50 while I was there. It's beautiful. This is a place we want to continue to go into the villages. Go ahead, and you can move that. There's the hills of Albania. It's a beautiful place. It's surrounded by hills. We went into the streets of Korcha. We walked those streets. It's, it really is um, an ancient place. We strolled through some villages on the outside of Korcha. Sean and his church and our church along with Sean are looking for places and other places that we can share the gospel of Jesus Christ. These are really a throwbacks. You go back to these places and they're still having to go to and from their homes with, uh, with donkeys. They load everything down. They can't get in there with cars or they can't afford a car. So they, they go through, they, they, they have their livestock. It's kind of interesting. I, I wish I had one of those pictures, but there is livestock that they, they have a, in this village. They have about every 300 yards a place, the best water in the world is there. And they have a little trough, and then they have a drinking fountain. So the animals and the people drink in the same water. It's just the animals drink in the water that falls from where the humans drink. And so you could see a donkey and his owner just drinking water together. And uh, it's uh, they have to be very uh, inventive. They're very uh, frugal people. Um, But these are the places that God has uh, called us to reach. And what I want you to do is you think about going to all nations, going to people. Think about praying, certainly for Rwanda, Uganda. Be praying over Albania. These are places that have come from your heart. People ask, have you had a master plan in going to these places? No. You know what the master plan is? Here's the master plan. It's in your heart. That's where the master plan is. It isn't something that we have ever dictated here in this church. People have come and they've said, you know, God's doing something in my heart. He's calling me. And and I say, and my response is, say yes to that. Because we don't know where that's going to lead us. And wherever that leads you, we want to help you. Because really my vision is the vision that God has given you. It's to support the vision that God has given you to reach all people, all places for the gospel of Jesus Christ. What's God put in your heart? What's he planted in you? Might be that neighbor next door. It might be that person down the street. I remember at Bible college, I had a student, a co-student said, a student I went to school with, he said, well, God's called me to Africa. I said, that is so great. And I asked him the question. It was just a simple question. Have you ever shared your faith with with anyone here in Hollywood because it's Los Angeles? And he said, no, because God called me to Africa. And I said, you know where it begins? It begins by saying yes today with the people that are around you. And let your heart be tilled by the gospel, by the power of God's Holy Spirit. Where is he asking you? What is he asking you to do? Uh, Doug Sprague, I mentioned earlier, Doug and I went together. We had a a great time. And uh, I just asked Doug if Doug would just come and share just for a few moments on his perspective. I mean, he's coming um, as a person who's been part of this church for so many years. Come on up, Doug. Do you have a... Where's your microphone? There it is. Okay. Um, Doug's been part of this church from almost the very beginning. Doug and Lori actually are our first youth pastors at New Life Foursquare Church. And so um, they go back uh, a ways here and have a great perspective on the birthing of this church and the DNA that God has placed in you here at New Life Foursquare Church. Yes. We, we always refer to ourselves as youth leaders, a youth 
pastor would need to be able to prepare a sermon and preach it, so <laughs> I stayed away from that. You know, thinking about uh, being ascending church, we are ascending church, and I was thinking this morning, well, just about what does ascending church mean? What is ascending church? And when people, uh, way back in 1980 or 81, I don't remember the time, when Al and Kathy felt that they were called to Alaska, mm-hmm. what the church did was not say, oh, that sounds good, that's neat, but they, they said, we, we had a time of prayer, we gathered around, we sent them off, mm-hmm. our hearts went with them, we took time to see what it was that they were up to, mm-hmm. to connect with, with, their, with their business, mm-hmm. and uh, we sent money. Mm-hmm. And we prayed, and it, like Ron said, it it really I've I've considered this a lot because when uh, from the time that Ron has gotten here, there's there is a focus on sending and new churches that was different than before, but it really is in our DNA. Mm-hmm. I remembered uh, a time when our assistant pastors decided that they were going to go to Meridian, Idaho and start a church and you know a few of us jumped in the car and drove to Meridian Idaho and went to the first service and passed out brochures and and we prayed and uh, we connected that that church uh, that 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 church didn't do what we hoped it would do but those people did what they were supposed to do they Mm -hmm. went Mm -hmm. they went and we don't know that we don't know the end of that and uh, so for me, uh, it's, this is something that I'm thinking about the whole time that I am at New Life in over 30 years. What does it mean to be ascending church? And uh, I think we've got to see what that has meant over the years. And this last year, it was a year ago that Ron and I took a trip to uh, the East Coast and uh, visited the churches there and uh, got to ask that question, what does it mean to be ascending church? And then on this most recent trip to Albania, it was it really was a great trip. It was just uh, really awesome to get to know Sean and Vita and learn more about what they were up to, what mm-hmm. their mission is, what their heart is for the people. Mm-hmm. And it was just amazing to see what being someplace 15 years does to open up uh, access, open up doors. Uh, you know, there's, there's opportunities for us to continue to connect with mm-hmm. Albania. And, uh, and uh, you know, so on that trip, probably one of the most, uh, I guess, things that just sticks out in my mind uh, is at the end of the trip, having a, a great week of, seeing Albania from the border of Greece up to Tirana and and learning about the people, learning about the four-square structure, learning about the support system that Sean has, learning about his children that speak three languages. <laughs> Little Oliver was teaching me how to enunciate things properly. In English? Uh, or uh, in whatever. Oh. Yeah, just the, 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 the Eva. It's Eva, not Eva. Yeah, so it's Eva. You've you got to figure that out. But anyway, Sunday, Ron and I were, were 
walking in Albania, you walked. You could see the streets, beautiful cobblestone streets, and we're walking. And and it's it's for me, it's kind of the uh, summary a little bit of 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 a week in Albania, and having to got having gotten to know the heart of the people a little bit, the mm-hmm. environment that we were in, just walking and thinking about Lord. Uh, what what do they need? What does it take? What can we do? How can how can we help? Uh, and and it just really struck me that you know the things that we do here so well is that we, we do give and uh, and we connect and it, being on these trips makes me want to learn more about what ways these things that all these places that have been that people have been sent out of this church. Mm-hmm. If we could see them on a screen, there would be, I don't know, 30, 40 mm-hmm. uh, different places that people have been sent from here. Mm-hmm. But on the way to churches, thinking about how it is that because we're connected to pray and contend, the gospel, the gospel doesn't go forward without an opposition that we're faced mm-hmm. without this unseen world that we don't see, that we all know is there, and it's not mystical, but that we can pray. We can pray God's word over Albania. Mm-hmm. We can, however it is that, that us in this room pray and, and have victory in our lives, whatever victories we've experienced, whatever scripture it is that, that, that we use to see victory, mm-hmm. we can pray that over these places and over these people, whether it's a person, whether it's the leader. Um, there's things that we get to see. And to me, coming away from there, I realize that we have a, a, such a great opportunity to touch the world in that way. There's something of an access that we have because mm-hmm. they're sent. Mm-hmm. And so that's what, I'm, that's what I'm left with. That's what I'm struck with, that we really can from Canby, this little town in Oregon, uh, affect the world. Mm-hmm. So, Amen. Right. Thanks, Doug. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you. There's still more to do. There's still more people to touch. I came back with this overwhelming sense of, am I enough? Did I do enough? You know how that happens when you go into a world that's not like the world we have, that has enough. And I just know this, the gospel is enough for those people, for those nations, for those communities. And we want to bring the gospel to the whole world. What we're going to do right now is I want to ask you to do this. You've been so good to respond to the gospel of Jesus Christ in your own life and the the outreaches that have been provided through this church. I want you to do this. I want you to just stand with me. I'm going to invite our worship team to come forward. And this is what I'm going to do this morning. Our response is going to be a worshipful response. All we're asking and all I know the Holy Spirit is asking me to do is just say yes. Whatever that may be, you might not even know, but you're saying yes to Jesus. You're saying, yes, Jesus, I want to follow you. I want to do what you call me to do. I'm going to ask that we have prayer teams around this area. So our prayer teams, if you could make your way immediately to the uh, sides of the, uh, of, of the, uh, the building here, and you'll, you'll, you'll see these prayer teams uh, around this building.
And if you know that this is a time just to really say yes, I want you to respond in worship and say, Lord, I say yes to you. I say yes to the infilling of your Holy Spirit. If you know that God is calling you somewhere, maybe it is a church plant because we're going to be planting more churches. Maybe it is uh, to a far-off land. I, I don't know what God's up to in your life. Seems scary, doesn't it? Pretty risky. But that's the gospel. That was the Apostle Paul. That's why I showed you the journey of the Apostle Paul to Philippi before we even started. Imagine what that man went through. Imagine what that man dealt with. All for the gospel of Jesus Christ. All for the sake of Christ. So while we worship, if you know God's just calling you somewhere, I don't know. Maybe it's to your neighbor. Maybe it's to your coworker. But you want, you're saying yes, and you want to do that in just a, a way that responds physically. You want to say yes. I want, I want to respond by saying yes. I'm just going to ask that you just make your way to some of these folks praying right here, and they'll, they'll just pray for you. If we need some more prayer folks, then we'll put them out there as well. But we want to pray right now as we, uh, we worship together. Well, let's do that. Father, we want to say yes to you. That really, when it comes down to it, we don't know all the details. We really don't. Um, in so many ways, I'm clueless. But what I do know is I can say yes to you today, right now, in this moment. I can say yes to you and the infilling of your Holy Spirit. I can say yes to the call that you've placed on my life. I can say yes to that. And so, Father, we ask in Jesus' name that you would fill us right now. Baptize us in your Holy Spirit. Give us the power we need to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to all people. In Jesus' name we pray. And we say together, Amen and Amen. You can contact the church office Tuesday through Thursday from 9 to 5 and Fridays from 9 to 3 at 503-266-4444. Please visit us on the web anytime at canbefoursquare.com. Pastor Ron and others on New Life staff along with occasional guest speakers, trust that the Holy Spirit will use the message to teach you, encourage you, and give you hope.